Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. Now, if you have someone, uh, if you love someone, then by default, you want to spend time with them. By default. By default. If you genuinely love someone, by default, you want to spend time with them. All right? If you don't love them, then you're not going to want to spend time with them. If you're annoyed by them, or you're aggravated by them, or you just don't like them, then you're not going to want to spend time with them. But if you fondly love someone, then by default, you want to spend time with them. So the question isn't, does God command us to read our Bible every day? The Bible, uh, the question is, does God command us to love Him? And the answer to that is yes. Look at verse 5, Deuteronomy 6. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Okay, now listen to what I'm about to say to you. While there is no 11th commandment that says, Thou shalt read thy Bible every day, there is a commandment, the greatest commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. You listening now? Listen in. If you love God with all your heart, then by default, you'll read your Bible every day. It got real quiet in here real fast. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, then reading the Bible is natural and there's no command needed. If we're not reading our Bible on a daily basis, then we need to check and see how much we genuinely love our God. I can say I love Angela. I go a week or two or even a day or two and I'm not communicating with her. Do I really, is that a healthy love or an unhealthy love? That's an unhealthy love. Now, I'm not meaning to get up here and just, you know, theologically punch you between the eyes. But maybe sometimes that's what we need. Is someone to say, you're not reading your Bible on a daily basis. That's a sign that maybe we got a heart problem. The commandment isn't, thou shalt read thy Bible every day. The commandment is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. So what happens when you fall in love with God? Go back to Psalm 119. What happens when you fall in love with God and faithfully read His Word? What happens when you consistently pray and spend time in the presence of God? You become blessed. You bear spiritual Fruit. Look at Psalm 119. Look at verse 1. What's the first word of the verse? Read it with me. Ready? Blessed. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Read the rest of the verse with me. Who walk in the law of the Lord. Uh, Look at verse number 2. Read the first half of the verse with me. Ready? Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with a whole heart. We're seeking Him with our whole heart. And as a result, we're blessed. Because we're, we're walking in the law of the Lord, we're blessed. In fact, the word success is only found once in the entire King James Bible. And it's found in Joshua 1.8. And here's what it says. Listen closely. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then, and then, and only then, and then thou shalt have good success. You see, when I uh, meditate in God's Word day and night, when I observe, I look at my life, I observe, uh, I, I pay attention to, I observe to do, I 
I, I act intentionally on the laws of God's Word and I do them on purpose and I do all of them wholeheartedly and thoroughly, then and only then does the Bible say I will be prosperous and have good success. Now, when we fall in love with God's Word and fall in love with God's presence by way of prayer, we set ourselves up both to prosper and have good success. This morning, we're going to take a good look at the 119th Psalm and find a man who deeply loved God and His Word. The fruit of his life is evident and abundant. Let's look at three thoughts as we begin this series, My Walk with God, My Progress, as we look at this title, Spiritual Fruit. So the outline today is very simple. I've got three points, and I've got an A, B, and C below each point. Let's hop in here. Number one, notice my attitude toward God's Word. My attitude toward God's Word. As I read the 119th Psalm, um, over and over and over and over and over again in preparation for this sermon. Not only did I read it, but I pulled up uh, an app on my phone called Bible.is, or Bible.is, as I like to call it. And it's got a dramatic reading of the Bible. It's a free app you can download in the App Store. I listened to Psalm 119 uh, over and over and over and over and over again. I've been inundated for the last two weeks with this chapter, listening and reading, listening and reading. And I have a confession to make. Can I make my confession right here? I know that I'm supposed to, in the Catholic Church, the priest doesn't confess to the people, the people confess to the priest, but I'm no priest, amen? I'm just a pastor, and I have weaknesses just like you, and so I'm going to confess a weakness of mine when it comes to the 119th Psalm. Before studying for this sermon, I would read the 119th Psalm only when I was either trying to read through the book of Psalm, or I was trying to read through my Bible. And you know what would happen? I'd get to the 119th Psalm, and I'd go, oh boy. 176 verses at one time. And then I would just, whoom, I would breeze through it as fast as I could. How many of you are willing to admit you've done the same thing with 190? Come on now. Be honest with me. You breeze through it as fast as you could, right? You just put your head down and barrel through, right? And so uh, that's been my model. This was the first time leading up to this message, that I sat and actually bathed in mentally, meditated on uh, the 119th Psalm. And oh boy, it is rich. What I found as I read the, the 119th Psalm, the very, very first thing that stood out to me is that this person, whoever it is, this person is deeply, deeply in love uh, with God's Word. He's deeply, deeply in love with the God of the Word. He loves the scriptures. He loves the truths. He values the boundaries. Uh, he appreciates the judgment, the discerning power of God. His attitude towards God, God's Word is an A++++++. He cannot love God's Word any more than He does. Um, you can't thoroughly write uh, 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 great uh, uh, poetry or you can't thoroughly write about a person until you thoroughly understand them. And listen, you don't write a, a flowery, uh, a gushing, uh, a love letter to a boyfriend or girlfriend or a husband and wife until you are madly in love with them and adjectives naturally flow poetically from your head uh, out of the pen onto the paper or in today's generation from the head out of the thumbs onto the text message. Amen. Uh, you can't thoroughly do that unless you genuinely love somebody. And as I read the 119th Psalm, I said, whoever this is, they deeply, 
deeply, deeply have the right attitude towards God's Word. Notice letter A, the, the author desires, uh, has a desire for purity. The right attitude toward God's Word creates a desire for purity. Look down at verse number 7 of Psalm 119. The Bible says there, it says, I will praise thee, look here, with uprightness, of heart. That word uprightness means integrity. Uh, with an integritous heart. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Now notice here that there is a tie-in from the deeper I understand the judgments of God, the more upright my heart will be. The more of God's Word and God's judgments I know, and the more of God's judgment, God's discerning power that I trust, the more integritous and the more upright my heart will be. Look down at verse number 9. Look down at verse 9 of Psalm 119. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How do you clean up your heart? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Look at verse 10. Let's read it together. Ready? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Continue. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. He's saying here in this chapter, he's saying it is God's word that acts like a bar of soap or detergent, washing away the impurities of sin and filth within me. Have you ever gone to work all day and been bombarded by sin? You came home and felt dirty on the inside. Maybe you laughed at an off-color joke. Maybe you had to listen uh, to or even participate, or maybe you even participated in some bad language. Maybe you were subjected to the wrong kind of sinful music at work. The psalmist said, uh, how does a young man or young woman, how does a young believer, how do, how do I cleanse my way? He said, by taking heed to the Word of God, by seeking God with my whole heart, by hiding God's Word in my heart, so that when I am tempted to be impure, the perfect Pure words of God will win the day within me. This is why we should value our Bibles so much. Look at verse 72. Psalm 119, look at verse number 72. The Bible says, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Oh, what a poetic verse. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of of gold and silver. He said, you get Scrooge McDuck in his room of gold, and I would rather have the law of God. I would rather have uh, the law of God than all of the money of the world, because the law of thy mouth, the law of God, uh, keeps me on the straight and narrow and gives me a life of purity, of, of moral uh, decency. When we fall in love with the Bible, it cleans us from the inside out. And once you live life, with this moral detergent, you begin to value it over all of the money of the world. The right attitude towards God's Word creates a desire for purity. Notice letter B, it creates a desire for progress. For progress. The title of our series this, uh, this time around is My Progress. Well, we see that heart for progress right here out of a man who is in love with God's Word. Look at verse 32. Psalm 119. Look at verse 32. We're going to read down... Through verse 36, the Bible says, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord. Notice the desire to grow, the desire to be better. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole 
heart. Make me, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimony and not to covetousness. Look back at verse 32. Notice he says, when thou shalt enlarge my heart. He is saying to God, increase my ability to love you more. Increase my ability to both understand and my ability to obey your commandments. In verse 33, he is saying, show me the right path of your statue so that I will arrive at the destination you have plan for me. I am here, the psalmist says, but I want to go there because that's where you want me to go. I don't want to be here when you want me there. Lord, put me on the right path and help me to arrive at the destination that you desire for me. We need Christians who will become discontent with where they are in their Christian life. We need Christians who look at where they are in their walk with God. Christians who see where they are in their love for God and say, it's not enough. I want better. I want more. Lord, enlarge my heart. Lord, make me to walk on the right path. Lord, teach me how I can love You more. Incline my heart from immorality to morality. Incline my heart from carnality to a heart of spirituality. Lord, increase me. I desire... For progress, you see, the right attitude towards God's Word creates a desire for purity. It creates a desire for progress. And let her see, it creates a desire for praise. For praise. You can tell when someone has the right heart attitude toward their loved one. They can't help but sing their praises. They can't help but sing their praises. You know when I know I have a healthy marriage? I have a husband or wife come sit in my office and they just get this look in their face and they just start bragging on their spouse and talking about how wonderful they are. I don't get very much of that in my office, by the way. I don't get very many people to come and just tell me how great their spouse is. It does happen occasionally. It doesn't happen very often. I do get quite a bit of the other where I have a spouse comes in. Let me tell you how horrible my husband or wife has been lately. And um, I'd love to hit the pause button and say, why don't you tell me how horrible you've been uh, toward your spouse in the marriage? Because... Um, you know, sometimes uh, what we do is the problem. Now, look, there are, I get it. That there, there are um, uh, hard situations, and, and I don't mean to make light of those. But listen, uh, you know when someone is in love with someone else because they just sing that person's praises. They sing that person's praises. And uh, the truth is, if you get close enough to somebody, you're going to begin to see that they're not everything that you maybe thought they were. And then maybe you're not going to like them as much. Um, I love to drive across, when I go to the airport uh, uh, in New York, I don't love going to the airport in New York. I hate going to the airport in New York, all right? But when I go to the airport in New York, the one thing I do enjoy, enjoy is driving over the bridge. What's that bridge you drive over to go to the airport? Y'all are speaking at different times. All right. I can't, White, Whitestone. There it is, Whitestone. I love driving over the Whitestone Bridge on a clear day and looking over and seeing New York City skyline. You know, I love flying over New York City and seeing the skyline. I love even more opening up an app on my phone and having a 3D model that I can look at because then I don't have to pay tolls, amen, or buy an airplane ticket, but I, I can still see the experience. The truth is a, a big city is most beautiful from a long ways away, but when you get into the back alleys of a big city, you begin to see you know, there's rats, there's, 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 there's uh, dirt. There's, there's grime, there's trash, there's problems, there's crime. And you know, when you look at a church or even a, a, a love interest from a distance, 
you, all you see are the good things, right? Some of you here think, man, White Oak Baptist Church is the perfect church. And if you think that, then you're just not attending here enough. Amen? Um, some of you think, man, uh, the pastoral staff could not be better. And I, if you got close enough, you'd see Pastor Andrew is riddled with problems. Amen? <laughs> I love you, Pastor Andrew. Um, you get close enough to the pastor, you realize, hey, the pastor, he's got his short share of shortcomings. You're around me enough, I'll drive you crazy. You don't believe me? Ask my wife and kids. Uh, inject them with truth serum. They'll tell you all about, uh, all about it. Here's the point I'm getting at. Uh, you get closer and closer and closer to God. He's beautiful from a long ways away. He's even more beautiful up close and personal. You can't find flaws or shortcomings or problems with Him. And if you're going to praise God casually at a distance, the closer you get to Him, the more fervent and the more intense and the more loud and the more exciting and the more passionate your praise of God becomes. Because there is no flaw in our God. And here the psalmist is saying, I have fallen in love with the author of the Bible, and I've fallen in love with the Bible, and all I can do is praise and praise and praise some more. You see, the right attitude towards God's Word leads us to a desire to even have even a better attitude and to praise. Look with me at verse number 111 of Psalm 119. The Bible says, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage Forever, He says this, He says, For they are the rejoicing of my heart. He said, I look at the testimonies, God, your testimonies, the, the story that's told over your character and your goodness, and they cause my heart to rejoice. Look at verse 162, 162 of the same chapter. He said, I rejoice at thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Look down at verse 164, 164. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Seven times a day do I praise thee. He said, I don't just do it when I wake up in the morning and I don't just do it when I'm taking a shower in the evening. He said, seven times a day I find myself stopping and praising God for His goodness. Here we see probably a little bit of extemporaneous praise, but we also see here a someone who is planned in their desire to praise God. Look at verse 171, 171. He says, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. He says, The more I get to know the laws, the rules, uh, uh, the statutes of God's Word, my lips cannot help but praise the Lord. And then look at Psalm 175. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. He said, I don't see the rules of the Bible as something that makes my life hard. He said, I don't uh, balk at the boundaries. I don't complain uh, about the commandments. He said, I see the judgments of God and I rejoice because they're there to help me. They're there to make my life better. He said, boundaries bring about safety and in those boundaries, I praise the Lord. Number one, my attitude toward God's Word. Let me ask you this morning, when you wake up in the morning and you see your Bible sitting on your nightstand or up on your dresser or on the kitchen table or maybe you see it uh, sitting there on the dash of your car, uh, what do you think of when you see the Word of God? Does your heart skip a beat? Do you get excited? Do tears run down your cheeks as you read the Bible? Do you praise the Lord? What is your attitude 
toward God's Word. We're talking about spiritual fruit this morning. One of the markers of spiritual fruit of someone who has an intense walk with God is they have an attitude toward God's Word of, of praise. Number two, notice his attachment to God's Word. His attachment to God's Word. Once you fall in love with your Bible, you will become extremely attached to it. I mean, your life will depend on you having it. Okay? Uh, Drugs are meant to offer a euphoric feeling that helps one forget his struggles, but for a moment. Drug addicts become very dependent because they are attached to this coping mechanism. Now listen, listen to me. God's Word and the truths contained within, this is the real deal. This is the real deal, all right? Once you fall in love with your Bible, you find that when practiced and lived, which takes discipline, but once you find, uh, you fall in love with your Bible and you practice and live it, God's Word does not offer you a euphoric feeling, but rather a true victory over life's hardest problems. And that's what we need. We don't need a diversion from the mess we're making of our life. We need victory over the mess in our life. And that's what God's Word offers. You see, uh, uh, you, can, you can hit some drugs and it will give you the instantaneous gratification of a diversion from life's problems. And you turn to your Bible and you quit the drugs or you quit the entertainment or you quit the food or you quit whatever your coping mechanism and you think, yeah, but this isn't offering me the instantaneous gratification that it offered. Now, hold on a minute. This is not a short-term plan. We're not playing the short game. We're playing the long game. Okay? And if you're going to give up on those things and you're going to turn to the Word of God, the Word of God is going to need to renew your mind and heart and is going to need to change some actions and behaviors. And what you find, though, is that when you start practicing the Bible, your life gets a whole lot better. Your life gets a whole lot better. I'm not saying you're never going to have a problem. I'm not saying you're not going to have storms in your life. I'm not saying you're not going to face life's difficulties. You will. But it sure is a lot easier to face them when you're in obedience to and in love with the Word of God than when you're just covering up your sinful behavior with some sort of sinful coping mechanism. You see, when I fall in love with God's Word and I put it into practice and I see its effect in my life, then I become attached to the Bible the way a drug addict becomes attached to his drugs. So how does someone who is in love with God become attached to his word? Notice letter A, an emotional reliance. An emotional reliance. Look at verse 49, and we're going to read down through verse number 56. Notice how the author of this psalm, the psalmist, is attached emotionally to the author of the Bible. Look at verse 49. The Bible says, Remember the word unto thy servants, unto which thou hast caused me to hope. Look here. This is my comfort in my affliction. What is this comfort? The word, the word of God, is this comfort. For thy word hath quickened me. The proud hath had me greatly in derision. Yet have I not declined from thy law. I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord. And have comforted myself. Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Look at 54. Thy statues have been my song in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night. In the night. And I have kept thy law. This I had because I kept thy precepts. Now, I'm going to reveal to you who I think possibly could have written 
this psalm. Before I do, uh, I just want to share with you where I got this idea from. All right, I was at a, I was eating a hamburger in Joshua Avila's backyard. No, Josh was not the one who he's not he's not spiritual enough for that. Amen. But um, Josh, are you here? He's outside. So I'm picking on him. He's not even here, all right? It wasn't Josh, okay, although Josh could have been the one. I was talking to um, uh, an individual who is new to our church, Daniel Mount Pleasant. The man who's played the piano for us this morning. And he, I'm, I'm in the middle of reading and studying Psalm 119 for this message, and he just spits out. He says, I think possibly Daniel wrote the 119th Psalm. And I, I thought to myself, that's because your name is Daniel. That's why you think that. This is you need to confess your pride, brother. Um, you just picked him because that's you just want your name to be more prevalent in Scripture. No, um, he 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 just threw that out there. He said he thought that Daniel may have written this. And I would say that after studying and reading and, and meditating and soaking up the psalm, I would say that that is a very real possibility. Okay, and I'm going to show you why it is possible. It's also possible uh, that David wrote the 119th Psalm or that it was someone totally different. But uh, you remember a few minutes ago where we read where he said seven times, I will praise thee. You remember the three times a day that Daniel would pray? You remember how scheduled he was uh, in that? Uh, There's some other evidences here in the psalm that would indicate that it was possibly uh, Daniel that wrote it. Um, uh, Look back there. Notice it says, verse 55, I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night, and I have kept thy law. This I had because I kept thy precepts. Look back at verse 53. Horror! Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statues have been my song, look here, in the house of my pilgrimage. You remember when the Babylonians came in and took over the Israelites, uh, uh, burned the temple and carried away the mighty men and uh, uh, the youth and, and, and made them eunuchs in the house of Nebuchadnezzar on their way out of Israel, out of Jerusalem, on their way to Babylon. Uh, the Babylonian guards commanded the Israeli boys that they sing the songs of degree and they would not sing. But Daniel here says that in that journey, it is the Word of God that was the song of his heart as he journeyed to the house of his pilgrimage. The house of his pilgrimage. Now here we see that um, uh, in a time of great despair, in a time of great affliction, what was it that brought comfort to the heart of the psalmist? It was the Word of God. It was the laws of God. At night when he couldn't sleep. At night when he was emotionally lost. At night when his mind raced. At night when his heart uh, uh, beat out of his chest. At night when he paced the floor. At night when he wondered about all that was wrong in his life. It was the Word of God that brought him an emotional sense of stability. We see that when we fall in love with the Bible, uh, we become attached to God's Word. It becomes our emotional reliance. Let it be a physical dependence. A physical dependence. Look at verse number 23. Psalm 119, look at verse 23. We're going to look at three verses back to back here. 23, 69, and 161. Verse 23 says, Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statues. Look at verse 69. Verse 69 says, The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Look at verse 161. 
Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. If Daniel did write this psalm, then we know who these princes were. Remember under King Darius? Daniel was uh, made the chief president or second in command of the country. And there were other princes who uh, were underneath that. And they were jealous of Daniel and they wanted Daniel removed. And so what did they do? They looked at everything Daniel did to disqualify him. And they could find nothing wrong in Daniel's life. But they did know that he worshipped his God. So they went to Darius, King Darius, and they said, Darius, you are great and wonderful and mighty, and there's no king quite like you. Uh, Why don't we pass a law that for 30 days, no one can worship anyone except you. And so he gave them his ring, they wrote up the law, and they stamped it with the king's ring. And once Daniel knew that it had been signed, he had a decision to make. Am I going to continue to worship my God? And risk being thrown to the lions? Or am I going to turn my back on my God in order to save my own skin? And you know what Daniel did? Just as he did before. He went to his bedroom. He opened up the window that faced Jerusalem. And he put himself out there publicly because he said, I am so in love with my God that I'm going to trust Him with my physical safety. He worshipped God. He prayed to God. And you know what happened? They came, they had him arrested, they threw him to the lions, and God closed the lion's mouth. God closed the lion's mouth. These princes, they they talked about him behind his back. These princes, uh, they schemed uh, how to get rid of him. These princes, they found that he loved God's Word, and they loved the author of the Bible. And they said, let's try to take Daniel out. And Daniel said, no, because I'm not dependent on me to survive. I'm dependent on the God of heaven to survive. And I'm not going to turn my back on the law of of the Word of God. I'm not going to turn my back in prayer to God. I'm going to do it anyway way, and God kept him safe. An emotional reliance, a physical dependence, letter C, we see a spiritual thirst. You see, when you fall in love with the Bible, and, and, and it becomes a part, an uh, interwoven part of your heart, and your being, and your identity, there's an attachment to God's Word. You have to have it. Uh, no matter what is threatened in your life, it, it's a part of you. It, it's not a chore to read your Bible. It's an, out, it, it's an outgrowth of who you are. You cannot help but meditate on and dwell on the Word of God. A spiritual thirst. Look at verse 25, Psalm 119. Look with me at verse number 25. The Bible says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. The word quicken means to bring back to life. It is as if his soul is a tongue cleaving to the roof roof of his spiritual mouth because of thirst. He's he's dry. He's thirsty. He's lifeless because of spiritual dehydration. He needs God's word to restore him. Look, look, Look down at verse number 40. Psalm 119, look at verse 40. Behold, I have loved after I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness, like a man with an empty canteen in the middle of the desert. 
and, and once the psalmist got the words of God to quench his thirst, look down at verse 103. And we see how God's Word uh, quenches that spiritual thirst. No longer is he dry and barren looking for the water of God's Word to satisfy his spiritual thirst. Uh, he's found it now. Verse 103, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 105, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. Look at verse 107. I am afflicted very often. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. God's word meets all of our needs. And once you experience this, it will push you to keep coming back for more. Coming back for more, how many of you in here are avid water drinkers? Raise your hand if you are an avid water drinker, okay? Um, you can put your hands down. How many of you here only drink water because you know you have to to stay alive? Hold your hands up. Okay? I fit the second category, all right? I should drink more water. I know I should drink more water. My wife never serves anything but water for dinner, and she gets the biggest cup in the drawer and, or in the cabinet, and she fills it, or my kids do. They fill it all the way to the top, as if they're trying to say, Dad, you need to drink more water, okay? And so I know I need to drink more water, okay? Listen, um, uh, we need the water of God's Word. We need it. You need it. As you begin to fall in love with the Bible, you'll know that God's Word is part of your identity because you have an attitude that's stellar. I, 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 God, I can't help but talk about it. I get around some folks and I try to talk to them about the Bible and the conversation is very short-lived and we're moving on to politics. You know what? I learn politics is more important than the Word of God. All right? Político es más importante de la palabra. Okay? Uh, that just is the same thing in Spanish, but it's alliterated in Spanish and it's not in English. Okay? Uh, politic, po po uh, po uh, politics is more important. You know why? You know why? Because they're watching CNN or Fox News all day. There's no time for the Bible. You know what happens when you watch a lot of Fox News or CNN or CBS or whatever your news channel is? You know what happens? You have a sour attitude about everything in life. You do. You know what happens when you read the Bible and it's just part of who you are? You are one of the happiest, God-fearing, God-loving optimistic people around because God's Word has affected your attitude for the good. I get around other people and you try to talk to them about the Bible and they want to talk about sports. Now listen, I love sports and I might even love sports a little too much. But, but I love sports. And there's nothing wrong with sports or politics in its place. But listen, if my love for politics or my love for sports is here, my love for God's Word should be so far above it that this seems like it's just a little hobby I do occasionally compared to how important God's Word is to me. We've seen my attitude. Number two, my attachment. Number three is already on the screen for you. My abundance. My abundance because of God's Word. Now, as I fall in love with the Bible, and as I become codependent, or rather, not codependent, that's the wrong word. As I become dependent on the Bible for my day-to-day, -day, my emotional, physical, uh, 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 spiritual well-being, all of a sudden now I begin to see an abundance of fruit 
pour out of me. I want to be a Christian that produces spiritual fruit by the bushel. I want to be a tree that is planted by the river of righteousness, as Psalm 1 describes, that bringeth forth my fruit in my season. Here in the 119th Psalm, the psalmist gave us three types of spiritual fruit that I see. I'm sure there's more. I found three. Letter A, notice the fruit of righteous living. The fruit of righteous living. Look at with me at verse number 28. And we're going to read down through verse number 30. The Bible says, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Look at 29. Remove from me the way of lying. And grant me thy law graciously. Verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. What is the psalmist saying here? He's saying... I did have an occasional problem or even a habit of lying. But then I let God's Word wash me and cleanse me and become my identity. And now I do not walk in the way of lying. Now I walk in the way of truth. You see, the fruit now is that I was putting out a corrupt fruit of lying. Now I put off that corrupt fruit and I put on the, the fruit, uh, the pure fruit of truth telling. Look down with me at uh, verse number 163. 163. Some of you, that's like 15 pages away because the chapter's so long, isn't it? Uh, verse 163, I hate and abhor lying, but the law do I love. You can see the progression here in the chapter. In verse 28, he's battling with a lying attitude. In verse 163, not only has he gotten away from lying, he now hates it. Wants nothing to do with it. Get that away from me. Boy, that is a reminder of who I was. Now I walk in the way of truth. Um, uh, the, the, the fruit of righteous living. Listen, uh, how many times a day do we tell a lie? How many times a day do we mislead? How many times a day do we deceive? How many times a day are we involved in something that is anything but the truth? And listen, Thy Word is truth, the Bible tells us. Sanctify them by Thy, thy truth. Thy Word is truth. John seventeen seventeen. And as we fall in love with truth, truth becomes uh, an outpour of who we are. Look at verse 113. Psalm 119, 113. We're going to read down through verse 118. The Bible says, I... Read the first half of the verse. or Actually, just read verse 113 with me. Ready? Here we go. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. goes on to say, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Read up verse 115 with me. Ready? Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hope thou, uh, hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I shall have respect unto thy statutes continually. Read 118 with me. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. He opens by saying that even... Uh, vain thoughts do I hate. I hate vain thoughts. Righteous living, listen to what I'm about to say right now. In fact, you may want to write this, uh, this short sentence down. Righteous living is not just the absence of sin, but the presence of doing right before God. 
Righteous living is not just the absence of sin. But the present, but, but uh, again, righteous living is not just the absence of sin, but uh, the presence of doing right before God. But the action of doing right before God. I'm, 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 uh, I'm all messed up up here. Righteous living is not just the absence of sin, but the action of doing right before God. It's not just what I stop doing. It's what I start doing. Right? I'm not going to curse anymore. Hey, that's a great decision. There are many of you in here that struggle with cursing. I know because I hear you sometimes. Some of you slip. And uh, if you slipped in front of me recently, I'm not remembering who you are. I just know in my last six years as pastor, I've heard a whole bunch of church members curse. All right? Um, really? Yeah. Old habits die hard. We... Are we agree, agreeable on that? Old habits die hard. You know what? Amen. Don't just stop cursing. Replace that by speaking the Word of God. Okay? It's not just what I stop doing. It's what I start doing in its place. Some of you have some presets on your um, uh, radio or you have some music that you listen to and you know that music does not please the Lord. But you enjoy it. Because either you grew up listening to it, or you're just all into the music culture. Hey, listen. It's not just that you stop listening to the wrong kind of music. You need to start listening to the right kind of music. Amen? Some of you here are in the habit of watching hours and hours and hours of TV. Let me, let me just say this. Some of you in here are in the habit of scrolling through hours and hours and hours of social media. You're hooked. I'm going to preach a whole sermon on this in the next handful of months. I'm reading books and, and watching documentaries, and I want, to, I want to do this thing right. But I'm, in the future, I'm going to preach a sermon on cell phone addiction. A whole bunch of us in here have a problem with it. And I said us. A whole bunch of us are addicted to our cell phones. If I were to, uh, or rather, if you and God were to sit down and look at how much time you spend on social media versus how much time you spend in the Bible and prayer, which one has your heart? I'm trying to get right down where we live this morning. I don't have time to read my Bible, but you have three hours to look at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Is it that we don't have time or is it that we're not taking the time? I'm not trying to be mean to you this morning. But we don't live righteous because we're garbage in, garbage out. It's hard to love God's Word when our attention is diverted elsewhere. Look at verse 127 and 128. You see, when I get my attitude towards God's Word right, and when I get myself attached to His Word then I begin to produce the fruit of righteous living on its own. I'm not forcing out righteous living. It is a byproduct of having the right attitude towards God's Word and then becoming attached to God's Word. Once that happens, uh, the abundance from God's Word happens all on its own. Look at verse 127. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. Now, um, 
I, I, I'm not going to change the Bible, all right? That's not what I'm doing here. What the Bible says is written superior to anything I'm about to say. But can I say here, when it talks about gold, it's talking about things that we value. Let's go back here and let's just substitute out a word, all right? Look at verse 127. Therefore, I love thy commandment above social media. Yea, above all social media. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a social media account. But I am saying that your love for God's Word should make your love for social media look so small and tiny and obsolete. I'm talking about having the right attitude. I'm talking about becoming attached and I'm talking about, as a result, producing an abundance of fruit of righteous living. Let her be the fruit of faithfulness. The fruit of faithfulness. Look at verse 89. Forever, O Lord. Forever, O Lord. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, O Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven. That's what we call faithfulness right there. His word is settled. It was uh, before the first words of Genesis 1-1 uh, were penned. The last words of Revelation 22-21 had been finished in heaven. God's word is eternal. It existed before the creation of the earth. It, it has been around forever and it will be around forever. That is what we call faithfulness. It is the constant that you can always count on. Look at verse uh, at 90. As the Bible being the standard, verse 90, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have perished in my affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Everything in the world around us is shifting. Everything. But God's Word is like a rock beneath our feet that never moves. The Bible was written first in heaven and then given to man and is eternal. We could not and would not be faithful to God if it were not for His faithfulness to us. You see, we learn of this faithfulness inside the pages of the Bible. And as we fall in love with God's Word and learn what truth faithfulness is, then we can practice it in our daily lives. As I fall in love with the Bible, have the right attitude towards God's Word, and become attached to God's Word, there is an abundance of fruit that begins to flow from my life. Yes, righteous living, but also faithful living. Some of you are in and out of church, you're in and out of your Bible, you're in and out of jobs, uh, you're in and out of marriages, you're in and out of this relationship, you're in and out of this hobby and that hobby, and, and you're all over the place, you're double-minded in so many ways. Fall in love with the Bible, and what you'll find is that you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll be there for a very long time. We learn faithfulness from the Word of God. And when we fall in love with God's Word, boy... We produce the fruit of faithfulness. Let her see. Notice the fruit of godly wisdom. Look at me at verse 97. I love, 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 love what I'm about to cover. I saved the best for last. Look at 97. We're going to read down through 104. It's all been good. Amen. It's all the best. But this is my favorite. Look at verse 97. And this is yet one great evidence that maybe, just maybe, Daniel wrote uh, the 119th Psalm. Think about Daniel 
as we read 97 down through 104. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Uh, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Take your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. We're done in Psalm 119. Take your Bibles over to Daniel chapter 1. In Daniel 1, we find the Israelites being carried away captive into the palace of Nebuchadnezzar. He's gone and found the academic elites of the schools of Judea, of Jerusalem. He's carried them into his palace to brainwash them and change them and and turn them into eunuchs, servants within his palace. Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, are brought in. They're all given uh, uh, names that are uh, uh, Chaldean names. Daniel um, was given the name Belteshazzar. Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah are given the name Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you grew up in Sunday school, you're familiar with those names. And uh, they began to try to change these uh, young men's uh, customs and the way that they lived and the way that they behaved. And Daniel was so in love with the Bible that he would not break away. In fact, verse 8 of Daniel 1 says that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat nor the wine which he drank. Uh, He made a determination, there are some lines I will not cross because they would violate the heart and my love for God. And then we get down to verse Verse 19, and we see Daniel in his stand is now brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible says, And the king, this is Nebuchadnezzar, communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. Look at 20. And in all manners a matter of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued, continued, even under the first year of King Cyrus. Listen to me now. Daniel had fallen in love with God's Word on such an intense level that when put up against his peers, put up against other professionals, he was ten times better. Why? Because of the Word of God. Because of his love for God's Word. James 1 verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Let me just say this. If you go to God and you ask Him for wisdom and you're not daily reading your Bible and praying, you know what God is probably going to tell you through His Spirit and prayer? Don't come ask me for wisdom until you get to know this book. Because it's all right here. It's right here. You want to live your life neglecting your Bible. You're running here and you're running there and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're over here and you're a slave to the clock. You're just busy. Uh, run, 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 run. There's no time for you to spend in the Bible. It's, a, it's an encyclopedia that you reference uh, when you need to know something, but it's not a love letter uh, from heaven to you. You don't love it. And then you get into a problem and you say, God, I need your wisdom. And he says, well, hold on just a minute here. I gave you a book full of wisdom and you hardly touch it. You see, Daniel, when he got put in a tight spot, he knew how to act and what to do because he was in love with God's Word. And the truth is, Daniel didn't have it leather and then bound and stuck just like this where you can buy it in a bookstore for $19.99. This one didn't cost $19.99. Amen. 
but you can get them for even cheaper. Daniel had to work hard to get his hands on the Scriptures, but Daniel valued them, and Daniel loved them. And you know what? Daniel had a heart full of wisdom. I finish with this. As, as human beings, and I mean this about all of the human race, including me and including you as human beings, we are in our nature lazy. All of us. You know what I mean by lazy? We want the fruit without doing the gardening. We want righteous living. Everybody here wants to live righteous. I don't question that. Right? We want righteous living. We want to be faithful. Nobody wants to be in and out of, you know, work and marriages and churches. We want to be faithful. We want wisdom. But we're not willing to do the work to get it. Where do you start this morning? It starts with an attitude change toward the Bible. You've got to learn to fall in love with God's Word. Some of you here, the best thing you could do is come to the altar in just a moment and bend a knee and say, God, I don't like reading my Bible. Change my attitude toward reading my Bible. Some of you, that's exactly where it starts. Lord, help me when I get home this afternoon, instead of doing whatever I'm going to do, to pause and spend a few minutes reading Your Word and meditating on it and loving it, and memorizing. Others of you in here, you're in the habit of reading your Bible every day, but it's become mundane. It's become a routine. You need to change it up a bit and find a way to fall back in love with God's Word. You see, when we get our attitude right, and we keep it right, and then we become attached to God's Word, then and only then do we abound in great fruit. Is there any progress evidenced in your life from your walk with God? You see, a shallow walk produces shallow fruit. A profound walk produces an abundance of fruit. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. As I read the 119th Psalm and studied it and prayed over it and mentally bathed in it, I became convicted because I saw an author who so deeply loved his Bible. And I knew that I wasn't there. Are you there? Are you there or is Bible reading a chore that you struggle with? How many here this morning would say, Pastor Lejeune, pray that God would give me a better attitude toward reading my Bible and obeying God's Word. Here's my hand. Pray that God would help me to have a better attitude toward my Bible. I know I need to grow. I know I need to grow. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, there was a day and time in my life I put my faith in Christ alone to be my Savior. I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven because I have believed in Him alone. I know that heaven is my home. Salvation is mine. If that's your testimony, would you just raise your hand right where you are? You know you're going to heaven. You've put your faith in Christ alone to be your Savior. Amen. You can put them down. Not every hand was raised. And if you did not raise your hand, let me just say thank you for being both honest with yourself and with God. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're going to go to heaven, let me encourage you to make that choice right now. You see, going to heaven is very simple. You understand that as you're a sinner, your sin has separated you from a holy God. You've broken God's moral laws, and God is just and punishes sin. 
with hell fire. But Jesus came and suffered your hell on the cross in your place. He was perfect. He knew no sin. And He became your sin so that your sin could be forgiven. God is not looking for your good works. God is not looking for church attendance. God is not looking for you to offer Him anything except your faith. When by faith you turn to the Lord and you believe in Jesus as your only way to heaven, He gives you the gift of eternal life. 